Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy Father, gather us in as your people. May we hear your word proclaimed and share it with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I feel like it is the duty of every parent to help their children with their homework. But for me, well, that ship kind of sailed. You see, my oldest daughter is a second semester senior in nursing school at South, in South Carolina. So if I can help her with her homework, aside from maybe, you know, editing papers, uh, we've all got a problem because I've wasted a lot of money. <laughs> My, my youngest is a junior in high school, and this year she's taking probability and statistics. I took that sometime along the line. I remember absolutely none of it. So I'm not going to be much help there either. But, you know, at least that was elementary school, right? I could help out then. Well, thank God I'm married to an elementary school teacher. Because I had this stuff called new math. Well... Actually, to be fair, it's not the first new math to roll around. Some of you remember the original new math that happened in the 50s, uh, around the 50s. That was when Sputnik was shot, shot into space by the, by the Russians. And so the Americans felt like, well, you know, we, we got to catch up with our math and science. And so they created a new math that lasted from the 50s to the 70s. And I guess so many parents complained that they went back to the old math or new math just started being called math. I really don't know which. But long about the 2000s, they came out with another new math known as Common Core. You remember that one? Oh, wow, yeah, Common Core. That was a huge deal. I mean, I remember seeing all of these signs out saying no to Common Core. And so I asked my wife, you know, what's it all about? So she explained it. She goes, it's not really new math. It's just a new way to go about it. It's like this. So if you have 41 plus 39, for most of us in this room, what we do is we go, okay, 1 plus 9 equals 10, 0, carry the 1, and then you got 1 plus 4 equals 5, plus 3 equals 8, and then the answer is 80. Well, that's a lot of steps. For the new math, it's like this. Now, Cassie, correct me if I'm wrong, please. You take 41. Well, which is easier to work with, 40 or 41? 40. So, well, and then you got 39. Which is easier to work with, 39 or 40? Okay, so those are easy numbers to work with. Well, so you steal the 1 from the 41, and you give it to the 39, and you got 40 plus 40 equals, that's new math. Really hard, isn't it? But the thing is, when, it, when it's on paper, it looks really weird to people who aren't used to seeing it. And so parents freaked out. Because how does my second grader know something that I don't know? This is not the way that we add. It's different. It's changed. And buddy, we don't like change, do we? Because isn't that what the whole argument was about? It wasn't really about math. It was about change. Because we struggle with change. In fact, let's play a little game, shall we? It's called, Do You Remember? It's a lot easier than her game. <laughs> Just being honest. How many of you remember houses that did not have indoor plumbing? 
We got some. How many of you remember having a black and white television? Just one television in the house. How many of you remember having just one phone in your house? How many of you remember having a phone in your house? <laughs> Less people than one? Come on. Okay. How many of you remember making mixtapes? Yeah, what's up, Gen Xers? How many, how many of you remember 8-track tapes? How many of you remember AOL? You've got mail. <laughs> How many of you remember getting your first microwave oven? How many of you remember texting in class just using the keypad? How many of you remember typewriters? See this girl right here? She didn't raise her hand one time. She's my youngest daughter's age. Life has changed a great deal over the course of our lives. And as we remember this day of 9-11, I think most of us can agree that, that as a country, no greater event has, has changed us than September 11, 2001. Life changed that day. And some of the changes were horrible. Some of them were good. But all of them were hard, because change itself is hard. One of my professors in seminary uh, says that when the closer something is to your identity, the more it hurts when it changes. And so if something in your family changes, it hurts. Something in your belief system of politics changes, it hurts. If something in your church changes, it hurts, which makes my job really fun. Because how many of you remember when the old church stopped being used? How many of you remember when the carpet changed? How many of you remember new hymnals? Oh, going from the red to the green was a lot harder than going from the green to the other red, wasn't it? Or when we had ages for communion. Or communion was once a month. Pyramids changed. Or when we stopped wearing robes in this service. When pastors change. Staff changes. These things hurt deeply. Because it's about our faith. And even though carpet is not about our faith. It's connected to it. Right? And which means that when something is that connected and it changes, it's very upsetting. And when we're upset, sometimes we kind of show ourselves, don't we? See, that's what the Pharisees were doing in today's gospel reading. Jesus was teaching and sinners and tax collectors were coming to him. And let me tell you, if you're a Jewish teacher... You had no business letting sinners and tax collectors come up to you. That was against the rules. That wasn't how things were done. And so the Pharisees and the scribes, who by the way, the Pharisees were the best of all Jews. They followed all the rules to the T. They were always the, the first at church. You know, they were doing everything. They worked harder. They were faithful people. 
the scribes were the keepers of the law. Uh, in today's terms, they're, they're the lawyers. But for them, because the law was, was religious, they were, in, they were part of the church. And so these were the protectors of the faith. And here this new teacher comes along and he's changing stuff by letting people show up who don't belong. These sinners, these tax collectors, what are they doing if he really is a man of God? Why is he letting people like that come to him? That's not right. That's different. That's not the way it's always been done. So Jesus tells a couple parables. First he says, now who among you if you lose a sheep, would not leave the 99 and to go after the one. And when you found it, you pick it up, put it on your shoulders, and, and, and start rejoicing. And then when you get back, you call all your friends together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found the one lost sheep. And then he tells them another one. Or what, how many of you are like a woman who loses a coin and basically tears her whole house apart looking for this coin. And when she founds it, she calls up all her friends and family and says, Rejoice with me, I have found this coin that was lost. And the truth is, Jesus asked both of these parables in the form of a question. And i got to be honest with you. You know what question, I, how I would answer that? Nobody I know. I mean... <laughs> Do you know how much the coin was worth? 16 to 18 cents. If somebody called me up today and said, hey, come on over, I'm throwing a party because I found a dime. Well, I'm always up for a party, but come on. The party costs more than what you found. Or the 99 sheep and going after the one. That's not good math. Whether it's new math, old math, common core, whatever, that's just bad math. Why would you go after the one when you have 99? You're going to leave the 99 and go after the one? And then you want us to rejoice that it was found? It doesn't make sense, does it? And see, that's Jesus' point. Because, first of all, we have a God who goes out and searches for those lost. Now, there's something interesting about this that we often miss. Because usually when we think of the lost as people, you know, those who've lost their way, those who don't know about Jesus, we think, well, they have some experience and, and, and they come to Jesus, right? You, you heard the phrase, come to Jesus? That coin isn't interested in being found. That sheep probably wasn't interested in being found either. I know this because yesterday afternoon as I'm leaving my mother-in-law's in Aiken, her dog runs out and then runs across the street. And then runs, and, and so my wife and I, we go out chasing this dog. And every time we got close, the dog would run farther and farther away. Until finally, I decided to get smart. So this dog was going around one end of the house, so I went around the other end of the house. And when I got there, there was no dog. So I'm, oh, I'm crazy. I don't know where this dog is. I'm looking around. I'm like, great. My mother-in-law is going to not have a good day today. And so I, we're, I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I get a phone call from my wife. The dog was home. <laughs> Folks, I was about a quarter mile away from home. The dog just turned around, ran back. Thanks for that, you know. I was not in the mood to celebrate at the end of doing this. 
By the way, it was pouring down rain, uh, just, just to let you know. So, but the difference is, God goes out there in the pouring rain, no matter what it takes, tears the house apart to find the coin, goes out and finds the one, and then wants everyone else to celebrate. And see, that's the big difference. Because if you're one of the 99, you're waiting around for that one sheep going, are we moving today? What's going on here? Because we're the ones who were already found. And we don't understand the whole idea of celebrating what was lost. We're glad that God found us. But once we're found, are we really interested in what else was lost? Because see, if we are, what does that mean? It means change. We have an interesting thing that goes on in the church. Like I said, we struggle with change very much. You know, especially Lutherans apparently. Because there's this whole, how many, whatever does it take to change a light bulb? And it goes through all the denominations. And the Lutheran one was, how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? What's change? Because we struggle so much with things being different. Things being uncomfortable. Things being new. But here's the reality. Do you know why we make those changes? We make those changes for the people who aren't here. We make those changes for the people who are on the outside looking in. We make those changes for people who are, who are struggling in their lives and need a place to call home. So changes are made. We get new hymnals to modernize things or we change the carpet to, to make it more inviting. We, we realize that this isn't our home, it's everyone's home. And so we change to reach that. But that's a struggle, isn't it? It's hard for us, not because we're bad people, but because we're human beings. And because things are special to us and we want to hold on to that special. But we have a God who prioritizes the one as opposed to the 99. The lost coin as, a, as opposed to the coins that are found. And so what we are called to do is we're called to join the party. We're called to celebrate and go out of our way to rejoice what's been found. To rejoice those who, who are on the outside looking in. We're called to celebrate those not with us, instead of being comfortable with the ones who are. And it turns things upside down, doesn't it? Dear friends, we have a God who loves us so much that he will bend over backwards to find every single one of us. And every single one of them. As Christ followers, you and I are called to do the same. To, to bend over backwards, to, to upset our lives. To bring others home. Help us, God. Amen.